This morning I want to talk to you about Jesus and the Psalms. Last week I took over the class downstairs that Eric was teaching so that he could teach 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus to the adults upstairs. And uh, the lesson, uh, they're studying the book of Psalms. And the lesson that I was starting with was lesson number eight, which was the Messianic Psalms. And I saw that as, well, that, that's a good Lord's Supper sermon that I can present today. And so I can kill two birds with one stone. And uh, those of you who are in class, it's always good to repeat, repeat, repeat. And if some of you were in the class, you get to hear it for the first time. Pay attention. The book of Psalms, 150 Psalms, is estimated to have been written between 1400 and 586 B.C. And the first date is the Exodus time frame. And the second date, 586, is the destruction of the temple time frame. So the Psalms were written over that period of time. Now we know that about half of the Psalms, I think 73 at least, and there are probably more that just don't have a, a name down to them, were written by David. And David reigned around 1000 B.C. So you have Psalms now that we're going to look at that were written a thousand years before Jesus was born. Jesus in the Psalms, the Messianic Psalms. These Psalms speak of Jesus from his birth to his betrayal, from his torture to his death, from his resurrection to his ascension, and from his worldwide reign until he comes again. Almost all of the Messianic Psalms listed in a table which is I'm going to show you uh, was were written by David you can't see the details of this table but the table lists prophecies about Jesus about the Christ about the Messiah that are in the book of Psalms and they're quoted in the New Testament that's the way we can link them together and the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit shows us that things that were written in the Psalms a thousand years before Jesus came are applicable to Jesus. And this particular list has like 22 events that are listed. I've seen a list that has 26 and I've seen somebody that said 92. But the point I want to make here is, is that when you think of all these things that were said a thousand years before Jesus, and Jesus fulfills them all, statistically that's impossible unless 
God made it happen that way. God knew a thousand years before and put things in the Psalms. When you read them in the Psalms, now they apply then. But they also have a future application. And that's amazing. And that should just strengthen our confidence that the Bible is the Word of God. We're going to look at some uh, of those Psalms that apply this morning. Uh, I can't go through all 22 or 26. Uh, we don't have enough time. But let's just look at a few. We're going to look at the, the Psalm that talks about Jesus on the cross. We're going to look at the Psalm that talks about Him being the eternal King and that He rules over His enemies. Now, the book of Psalms is not considered to be a book of prophecy. But it's certainly full of prophecy. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, we have Jesus saying, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the Law of Moses and in the Prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Let's look at the context that this verse I yanked out of chapter 24 apply. First, we have that it's the day of Jesus' resurrection. Verse 1 of chapter 24 says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they, referring to the women, went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So that's how chapter 24 begins. Also in chapter 24, we have Jesus walking with two men. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. That's about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened while they were walking, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. They didn't recognize him at first, but eventually they did, and when he left them, they booked it back to Jerusalem to tell the apostles we saw the Lord. He's risen. And then we get down to the oh, there's a typo there. And then we get to the end of the chapter where Jesus is going to appear to the apostles. And they, referring to the apostles, were talking about these things. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be you. Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they were seeing or they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do you doubt? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands? See my feet? That it is I, myself. Touch me. See. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have, that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. 
And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of boiled fish, royal fish, and he took it and ate before them. And now comes our verse. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in the name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So the Psalms are going to have prophecy that are going to be fulfilled by Jesus. And so we'll look at a few of those. Psalm 22. Psalm 22. It's going to make reference to him being forsaken by God. This is, this is a scene at the cross. The mocking of the crowd. His hands and feet being pierced. And the casting of lots for his clothing. All in Psalm 22, written by David. This is a saying that Jesus said on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? David wrote this. David said this. This was happening to David. So the psalm applies to the way David was feeling as he was fleeing and he was betrayed by his son Absalom. And so uh, it makes sense that he would write something like this. Now, I'm persuaded that when Jesus said this, he was not forsaken by his father. Some people might disagree with that. That's my understanding of the passage because what he's doing he's making the people there think about Psalm 22 and what's written in it so let's not read every word but by the time we get down to verse 7 let's read verse 6 but I'm a worm and not a man scorned by mankind and displeased by the people all who seek me mock me and they make mouths at me and they wag their heads he trusted in the Lord let him deliver him let him rescue him for he delights in him and that's what's going on at the scene in the cross there are no friends down there other than his mother and the, the women that were there a lot of people have fled a lot of his disciples have fled let's read down further I'm not going to read every word here when we get to verse 16, he says, For dogs encompass me, and a company of evildoers encircle me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones, and they stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing, they cast lots. And we know from the gospel accounts, this is what's happening. This is what has happened the 
guards and the soldiers divided through, stripped, stripped him of his clothes and there was a garment that was one piece instead of dividing it up they said let's not tear it destroy it let's cast lots for it so the Holy Spirit is through the gospels telling us that Jesus is telling them I am who I am you can check this out and we'll read a little bit further in some other psalms Jesus is our king he's reigning in heaven at the right hand of God and this is not a psalm of David this is a psalm of the sons of Korah who are Levites and they say your throne O God is forever and ever the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprighteousness and you've loved righteousness and hated wickedness therefore God your God has anointed you with oil of gladness beyond your companions that's what we read in the Psalms is it referred to somewhere else? yes Hebrews chapter 1 verses 8 and 9 this is a letter written to Jews who are thinking about abandoning being Christians and going back to Judaism and he talks about Jesus how he's a better in many many ways and in this verse he says but the son but of the son he says, and this is when he's looking at the difference between Jesus and angels, but he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever the scepter of uprighteousness. I keep saying unrighteousness. The scepter of uprighteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And so here's a reference back to that psalm being applied to Jesus title of my lesson Jesus in the Psalms therefore from this connection we learn Jesus is both deity he's God he's part of the Godhead and he is an everlasting king Jesus is our king in other places men like Peter men like Paul when they wanted to present the gospel message would often quote from the Psalms as proof that Jesus was the Christ he was the Messiah that they were looking for and in specific I'm going to look at one case here in Acts 2 25 to 29 this is that period of time when Jesus is giving his first gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost what does Psalm 16 verse 7 through 11 say? I bless the Lord who gives me counsel and the night also my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. 
Well, focus on this verse 10. It says, You will not abandon my soul in Sheba. A psalm of David. Does this apply to David? Let's see what Peter has to say about that. For David says concerning him, and then we see this being quoted, I saw the Lord always before me, therefore my heart is glad, verse 27, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. David writes this. Does it apply to him? Verse 29. Brothers, I made a say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us today. Check it out. There are bones in there. He's corrupted. He rotted. So, who's he talking about? He uses this to further explain to the crowd that's there that Jesus is the Messiah. In Psalm 110, verse 1, Paul writes, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your fool, at your footstool. I hope I get the verses down. Yes, there they are. So, to continue Peter's argument, his discussion, his message to the crowd. We read the 29. He said, well, David's in a tomb. So those words don't apply to David. And then he says here, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one on his descendants on the throne... For he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ and that he was not abandoned in Hades. Nor did his flesh see corruption. And we know from reading the Bible that when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, that he purposely delayed going to where Lazarus was buried. He waited four days. And when he went to the tomb, Martha and Mary said, Don't open it! It's going to stink! Because he's rotting in there. And of course, Lazarus came forth. He was resurrected from the dead. There was no question he was dead because he was already starting to decay. But Jesus would not be abandoned in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up and of all that we are all, and, and that we are all witnesses being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit is poured out that which you yourselves are seeing and hearing for David did not descend into heaven but he himself says the Lord said to my Lord Psalm 110 sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool and we know after this verse a large number cried out, what should we do? And he told them to be to repent and to be baptized in the name of Jesus. So an effective use of the Psalms was used to demonstrate that it was all prophesied what was going to happen to Jesus. 
Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Lord just means he's a master. Christ is the Greek word for anointed, just like Messiah is the Greek word for anointed. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, the one chosen by God to be our Lord and Savior. So as we bring the lesson into a close, there's a whole chapter written by Paul on the resurrection. And it starts out by saying, well, when Paul spoke to the Corinthians, he delivered as first importance what he had received, that Christ died for our sin in accordance with the scriptures. This wasn't just something that happened for the first time. They didn't know about it. There was no prophecies about it. The scriptures explained things that were going to happen. So you can identify who the Messiah is. And some of that's in the Psalms. Then he was buried. Then he raised on the third day. No corruption there. In accordance with the scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas. Then to the twelve. And then reading at the end of this discussion that Paul makes. He said, then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom of God, the Father, let me read this right. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he puts all enemies under his feet. The last enemy destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. And that that expression, that term, is found many times in the Psalms. So in conclusion, we're told in 1 Corinthians 11, 26, For as often as you eat this bread, and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And we'll do that right now.